This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. All right, let's talk about the city of Ephesus tonight. Let me preface what we're going to look at by saying this. Ephesus is an amazing city. We've talked about the size of some of the other cities. This one supersedes the rest of them. Okay, we're going to see a little bit later. Though it competed with Pergamos to be the capital of Asia Minor during Roman times, Ephesus edged it out. Okay, it became the major center in, of all of these cities. Uh, when you walk around the ruins and you see where the port was that's silted in now, um, you, it just it grabs your imagination and you, you think, again, uh, you've heard me say this, perhaps it's silly, but Lord, I hope there's instant replay in heaven. I'd like to see what ancient Ephesus looked like. Um, the splendor uh, of, of this great city. But biblically, this is also a church, or it was a city where there was a church that probably best resembles our conservative uh, Baptist churches in this country that are, are taking a stand for truth. And we're going to look at, at what the Lord said to this church. They try to keep the evil out, pure doctrine but diligently, faithfully serving the Lord. That's, that's what our kinds of churches historically have been known for in this country. Every pastor I know would love to have a church like Ephesus. And how many times in this study up to this point have we talked about the fact that this church and this church and this church probably got its start because missionaries were coming out of Ephesus. Okay. believers were just going to the neighboring cities with the gospel and churches were being... That was Ephesus. And yet I would have to confess, and it convicts me, that Ephesus is, is probably a lot like our churches in America because we can work hard, but do we love much? As far as loving the Lord. There's great love here at Good News for one another. It's what a blessing. But do we love Jesus? Do we really love the Lord? Okay, so that that is this church. Uh, and again, the backdrop where they lived, uh, this great city, which had housing communities like we do. Okay, um, it, this this city helps. Uh, us uh, form a picture of what was happening uh, there in Ephesus. All right, so taking a look at this, name and location. All right, the Greek name of Ephesus was Ephesos, meaning desirable. Uh, don't know exactly 
where that meaning came from, except that this was a city that was desired by emperors and conquerors. The Persians and the Greeks fought over it. The Romans cherished it, valued it. Uh, and then there was just a whole lot of, uh, of material gain that you could get coming to Ephesus. It was just a, a place that, you know, honey, where do you want to go on vacation this year? Well, let's go back to Ephesus. It, it, it was quite a place. It's located near the mouth of the Caesta uh, River, three miles from the western coast of Asia Minor. Now keep in mind, they're three miles inland, and there was a port there, a deep water port. But now it, it's not there. You can stand certain points at Ephesus and look out onto the Aegean. You can see it three miles away. But again, I wish it came right up there. Uh, it, it does not uh, anymore. Its harbor was accessible to the largest ships and rivaled the harbor at Miletus. Uh, by the way, we read in Acts 20 that Paul comes down from the harbor in Miletus into the harbor at Ephesus, and that's where he meets with the Ephesian elders. It was west-southwest of the other churches in Revelation. Three major roads led from the seaport. One road went east towards, remember we said that that there, it was the major route that went across all the way over to Babylon. And I mentioned to you last time, but that road went right through downtown Laodicea. Okay, so that's the one road that led out of Ephesus. Um, another to the north via Smyrna, and then a third south towards the Meander Valley. So let's take a look. Let's see here. There, okay. Um, so you see where Ephesus at, is at. Colossae, just about due east. So that means Laodicea, Hierapolis are here, and then up towards this way are those other churches, or the locations of those other churches. Note, by the way, where Ephesus is at, across the water to Corinth, and uh, let's see, is there is Athens on here? Let's see. And then um, from Corinth, just around here to Athens. Okay. By the way, here in the corner, so you've got to get an idea uh, where Israel is, Jerusalem. Okay, and then of course Asia Minor or the region of Galatia, as it was called. And then get, get your bearings, so Ephesus, Corinth, notice where Rome is at. Macedonia, okay, so that, I like this map because it, it lays things out uh, for us. Okay. So here's, here's what I was reading for you uh, about the name and its location. Now significance. Because of its location, ownership of the city was contested by the Persians and Greeks until it was finally conquered by Alexander the Great. It was then later 
bequeathed to the Roman Empire. When Rome started to win, many of the Greek cities just gave, you know, they were tired of war, they were living in opulence, and so uh, I think wisely they just decided, let's just give what we've got to the Roman Emperor, get on good terms with him, and, uh, and we'll live longer, and he might even benefit us, and that's what happened in this whole region. Okay, so Ephesus, I mentioned the Caster River, you can see that, it was just in a, in a prime uh, area. Again, Smyrna, notice, uh, northwest, so key, very key area here. Stop me if you have questions. Significance. When the Roman province of Asia was formed, Ephesus and Pergamus. Pergamus, remember, was the capital of Asia. Remember that picture? Hopefully you're keeping your notes. Remember that picture we showed you of the top of Pergamus? Sitting on top of that mountain. The splendor of that city. Um, these were the two rival cities in the province. Though Pergamus was the center of the Roman religion and of the government, Ephesus was more or I'm sorry, accessible and the commercial center. <clears throat> Pergamus didn't have a port. Ephesus had a port. It was home of the native goddess Diana or the Greek Artemis. That, those are interchangeable. But uh, Diana is, is the name of the God we read in the book of Acts, whose temple was considered one of the seven wonders of the world. Now, in your notes, I, we're going to put the, some pictures up here. Let me describe this temple for you, however, before we actually look at the picture. I mean, you can look at the picture if you want. But here's the temple. The temple of this goddess was the pride and glory of Ephesus. 425 feet long, 220 feet wide, had 127 columns of white marble. Anybody want to guess how high those, those marble columns were? 40 feet. Close. They were 60 feet high. All right, so is a is a picture taking shape? 127 columns, 60 feet high. That's a lot of weight. Yeah. It took them 220 years to build it. 220 years. No wonder it was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Okay. Now it's got a unique history. <clears throat> Because in the year when Alexander the Great was born, 356 B.C., it was burned down by uh, Herasthorus in order to immortalize his name. Herostratus, uh, it was his name. But it was afterwards rebuilt with even greater splendor. Okay? 
And in Ephesus, there they actually had, uh, we might see pictures of it if we get to go there. I, I don't remember now if we got to see it. But they actually have a picture showing Alexander the Great throwing a lightning bolt. And so what, what they say, and we'll talk about Diane a little bit later, that Diana was actually distracted helping, assisting with the birth of Alexander, a god. That, that she couldn't help with the birth of Alexander and take care of the temple, and that's how it burned. But it was rebuilt to greater splendor. Okay. You think these people were superstitious at all? And we're going to talk about that a little bit later and show you the biblical context of some very interesting things that happen when Paul and his missionary team are in Ephesus and, and these superstitious people that are worshiping this, uh, these, these Greek gods and, and, and so on. Okay. Do you think it was worth it to them? What do you mean do, worth it to them? For, for them to worship a god who would not even talk back to them. It's, it's, a, it's a fair question. Um, the Lord says to Israel, you go cut down a tree, you take your own hands and tools and you carve it and then you bow down and worship it. What foolishness. You know, and the scripture says those who, who do these things are who form these idols are like unto them, blind, dumb, so on. Okay. But Ben, the reality is it's still happening all over the world today. Because people who are made in God's image believe that there is a deity greater beyond them that that they need to please the gods, the spirits, whatever, and they're still worshiping. Um, because they, they, they believe they need outside help. Um, I, was, I was just here, I had just heard of the, an account of, uh, uh, and I like military history, World War II, that there was a medic that was going into combat uh, in Vietnam. And um, I forget what it was. Um, but the, the, in that unit, there was something like a rabbit's foot that they were holding on to, and no medic who had this got hurt when he would go in, and so they handed it to this new medic, and he, he ran off into battle and lost it. He thought for sure somebody was going to shoot him. Wow. Okay, but but he came out unscathed, and, and he, but he always thought because he lost that. So what's he? He's depending on something else. Okay, and that's... God made our hearts to worship Him. If we don't worship Him, we're going to worship something else. And, and, it, and it's going all the way back to, you know, the, the stuff that to us seems made up. But I think as we looked at Sunday, a lot of this is, is, is empowered by demons. Try the spirits to see whether they're of God, you know. And... And I think these folks did see miraculous things happen that convinced them. Um, you know, you go all the way back to Joseph, uh, or I'm sorry, to Moses in Egypt, 
And remember, Moses comes in and he shows the power of God. Throws his staff down, turns into a serpent, all these other things. And, and it, it, I remember even as a kid, it shocked me when I read it. Or when somebody was sharing the story. And the magicians in Egypt did the same thing and, and it worked. Well, God wasn't empowering that. Who was? Satan. So, there, what, what Ben is asking helps transition us to the fact that these were places where there was great spiritual darkness. It was awful. And majestic at the same time. But it's in that setting where the power of God was, uh, and the gates of hell won't prevail against what God is doing in building His church. And, and this is all the evidence. Um, all right. Good question. Any other thoughts? All right, so let's talk about the religion. All right, not only did the temple bring vast numbers of pilgrims to the city, in fact, one writer compared this temple in Ephesus to Mecca. All over the Roman world, they came to worship Diana, Artemis, okay? Just like the Muslims go to worship at Mecca. So that, that kind of gives you an idea, right, of how, how significant, how important this place was. But it also employed hosts of people apart from the priests and priestesses. Among them were the large number of artisans who manufactured images to the goddess Diana or shrines to sell to the visiting strangers or pilgrims. All right. Do you, I'm just going to throw this, do any of you remember anything from the book of Acts that talks about this? All right, we're going to look at the text in a little bit, but when Paul, when they start preaching the gospel, there's so many people get saved that it starts to kill this religious trade, the, the, the enormous amount of money that these, these artisans were making on these God at making these idols and selling them. Okay? It's funny how when you affect people's money, they get upset. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. So, here's, here's a better picture, and I described that magnificent temple. There you go. And it's still standing. No. No. In fact, great question. So when you're in Ephesus, one of the biggest disappointments, do you know how many at least the last time I was there, you can go online and look too. Do you know how many of those uh, marble 60-foot columns are still standing? There's one. Why? There's one. Were they taken and hauled off, or they just broke up? I think it's, a lot of it's underground. I mean, there's okay. rubble everywhere. Why haven't they reconstructed that temple? I don't know. Now, having said that, and I didn't look closely, to, there is some place where they built a replica of it. But I don't think it's as big as what the one in Ephesus was. And you, you can get online. I didn't, I didn't bother to go see if it's in Memphis or Houston. You know, <laughs> okay. Now, notice down in the corner... 
That is Diana. Now, we're all adults here. Okay. So, to let you know, so this was the fertility, this was the fertility goddess. Okay? And on the front of her, scholars think that either these represent breasts or they represent uh, the reproductive organ on a bull cow. Okay? The reason that they're not sure is because as wicked as it was in this city, you know what they offered as sacrifices to the god? Not children, but the, the reproductive part of a bull cow. And so it was vile and awful. Now, this, this was the worship going on in these cities. And we've, we, I, when we talk about Corinth, wait till we talk about Corinth. Okay? And I'm, I'm trying to be careful, but I, I want you to understand just how wicked and th this all was. So imagine going, at, they're making these idols and you can buy them. You can buy them up when you're in Ephesus. No, no, it's, it's done. It's done. In fact, if you read the history of Ephesus, uh, and I'm, I'm not going to go into it tonight, but Christianity so took root in this city that when these things began to fall down, the Christians didn't care, they just left it. Okay? And so, uh, once again, uh, Christianity thrived. Uh, when you are in Ephesus, we'll go to places where they'll show you where the, the Greek wall, the Hellenistic wall was that they built for protection in Greco-Roman times. But then there's a Byzantine wall. Well, that's Holy Roman Empire. That's them building a wall now to keep the enemies out, including the Turks. And the city ceased to exist when the Turks overran it and either took took away captives or, or killed the rest of the residents of the city, which probably included a number of Christians. But that's when, okay, and so the Ottoman Empire had, was ruling over all this region, and then in modern times, the Ottomans were defeated, Turkey became a secular state, and oh, by the way, we'll let you come back and tour our old cities and charge you money. Okay. What's, in, what's on the pedestal by the guy in his feet? It looks like sheep, and I, I don't, I can't explain the purpose. Yeah, it looks like the head got broken off. That's just probably something that they found in the dirt, and the head was gone. Okay. How many columns again did you 127. Say? 60 feet high. Only 200 years to build it. 200, uh, 220 years to build it. That's incredible. Yeah. By the way, if, if you travel to Israel with us, 
Do you remember how long it took Herod uh, using slave labor to build his temple uh, area? Do any of you remember that? No, it was 30. It took him 30 years. Yeah. Okay. So at Ephesus, Diana was worshipped mainly as a fertility goddess, was identified uh, with Sybil, the mother, mother godless, godless is probably a better word, of eastern lands, goddess, okay? The cult statues of the Ephesian Artemis differ greatly from those of mainland Greece. That's just kind of a, a side note. If you look up Diana, what you'll find, uh, because uh, the Diana just across the water, go back to that map, over on the, on the Greek side, okay, uh, Diana over there was depicted as the huntress. And you'll, so you'll see pictures of this. Uh, she was a virgin goddess, but she was a hunter. And so it'll show pictures of her with a bow and arrow. You think, how does that fit? Here's, here's a key point. Here's a key, very key point. So when we get to the book of Acts and we see that Paul, you know, God's working, people are being saved, these artisans riot. And they shout, great is Diana of the Ephesians. See, they're making a distinction. Because across the water, there's another Diana, and she carries a bow and arrow. Well, we like our Diana better. Diana of the Ephesians. Probably marketing. Nobody wanted to buy the other. Yeah, pro probably marketing. I think the one had probably better website. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you. Okay. All right. So that said, let's go to Acts chapter 18 now. And I tonight I want to just take time. What time is it? We're going to have to move move ahead here. But with what we've looked at, let's, let's take a closer look now at what's happening in the biblical text because now you can put it in a setting, right? You've, you've been to Ephesus. Okay. Uh, you've stood outside that great temple. So Acts chapter 18, let me get there. Chapter starts out, Paul departs from Athens, came to Corinth, they're just around the peninsula, he's traveling here. Um, you get, you move on in the chapter, and uh, let's see, let me see, see, see. Um, All right, I'm just going to move on into chapter 19 then. It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. So it's interesting, when you study about this city, God used Paul there, but somebody got there ahead of him. Okay? Um, 
Bible scholars think that probably Jews that were saved at Pentecost and then headed back across Asia Minor, but there are disciples there. What about Apollos, chapter 18? Again, he heard about the baptism of John. He's he's out there. He's saved. He's out there preaching. Okay, and 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 so you're going to find Christians out there that haven't been discipled but have a zeal for God. God used Paul to link up with this guy. Okay. But he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Spirit since ye believed, Holy Ghost? And they said unto him, We have not so much of heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. So they were saved before Pentecost. And he said unto them, Under what then were ye baptized? They said, Under John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him that should come after him, that is the on Christ Jesus, Messiah Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about twelve. And he went into the synagogue. Now this is Ephesus. Spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when divers various were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of the way, and in some translations, by the way, the way is capitalized. Where does that come from? The way. The people of the way. There it is. Jesus said, I am the way. So these are people of the way. Before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannius, and this continued by the space of two years, so that all that which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Now let's stop. What does verse 10 tell us? What did we say about this being a major trading center and roads running through here? People are coming through Ephesus. And the gospel is getting to them. It's saving them. And then they're going to these other places. Now again, we don't know all the connections, but but the Lord, the gospel is spreading. And Ephesus seems to be a major hub. Okay, remember that. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto, uh, unto the sick handkerchiefs of aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Now, verse 12 is significant. I said we would come to this. One of the things that they write about Ephesus is there was a lot of sorcery and magic and supernatural stuff happening. So what does God do to respond to that? You have your false gods, and there's, this, and there's, there's power behind it, but then Paul comes into town, and, and just like the Lord Jesus real healing is happening. Powerful things are happening to attest to everybody, including speaking in tongues. People are hearing the gospel in their own language. Okay? And it's it's all supporting the fact, validating that Jesus Christ, the people of the way, this is real. Okay? Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, there's uh, gather another hint to this, 
took upon them to call over them that which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure thee by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. So again, there's a synagogue there. The Jews are here too. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know. I lo I, this makes me laugh. Yeah. Who are you? That'd be nice to have a video on their face to see how they look when I said that. I'm not so sure you read on text. I don't know if I want to see this on video. Okay. And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overcame them, prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks, also dwelling at Ephesus. And fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds, many of them also which used curious arts. Okay, there's another reference to it. Brought their books together, burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. That's a chunk of cash even today. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. After these things were ended, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must see Rome. So he sent into Macedonia. He didn't go uh, to them that ministered unto him. He sent into Macedonia, calling back Timotheus and Erastus. But he himself stayed in Asia for a season. And the same time there arose no small stir about that there's the, there it is again. That way, for a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines to who, or for who, Diana brought no small gain unto the craftsmen, whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation, and said, Sirs, ye know that by this craft we have our wealth. Moreover, ye see and hear that not alone at Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people, saying that they be no gods which are made with hands. See, even they have to admit. I mean, they, they don't want to. They believe this is all supernatural. But Paul is pointing out, no, 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 you made that. So Mr. Silversmith, you made that. So that not only this our craft is in danger to be set at naught, but also that the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised and her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worshipeth. This was a big deal here. And when they heard these sayings, they were full of wrath and cried, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Notice the distinction. And the whole city was filled with confusion. And having caught Gaius and Aristarchus, men of Macedonia, Paul's companions in travel. So they, got, they, they recognize these guys have been with Paul. This was part of the missions team. And they grabbed them and rushed in uh, with one accord into the theater. Alright? And when Paul would have entered in unto the people... Okay, so, again, please please bear with me. So Paul goes, this is great. What a preaching opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> so he wants to go in there too, and the disciples are like, 
you. They're gonna kill you. You're the you're the instigator of this whole thing. This is why they're so upset. Paul, come on, get out of there. Okay, they all rush into the theater. And I lost my place. What verse were we on? Okay, sorry. Some therefore cried one thing, some another, for the assembly was confused, and the more part knew not whether they were come together. They, they, it was just, people didn't even know what was going on. They drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward, and Alexander beckoned with the hand, and would have made his defense unto the people. But when they knew that he was a Jew, all with one voice about the space of two hours cried, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. All right, so let's pause for a moment. Have you ever been in a stadium or a field house where a group is shouting something? Um, Renee likes college basketball. What are some of the things that they shout in those big stadiums? Air ball. <laughs> Good example. Air ball, air ball. Okay. Now imagine being on the side of a mountain in this massive theater, and they're shouting, Great is the Great is just... And how long do they do it? Well, two solid hours. And when the town clerk had appeased the people, he said, Ye men of Ephesus, what man is there that knoweth not how that the city of the Ephesians is a worshiper of the great goddess Diana? and of the image which fell down. So now there's a theater full of people, and this guy had to turn up the microphone? No. This was built on purpose the way it is, and you could stand on the stage, and you could talk to thousands. Okay? And Lord willing, we'll get to stand in this theater. Seeing then that these things cannot be spoken against, ye ought to be quiet and to do nothing rashly. For ye have brought hither these men, which are neither robbers of churches, nor yet blasphemers of your goddess. Now that's, that's instructive. They couldn't accuse these guys of saying anything blasphemous against the God. What were they guilty of? Talking about the true God. When we witness, we've got to be very careful what we say about false religion. It doesn't do any good to attack it. Just speak the truth about Christ. All right? Uh, I'm not saying we shouldn't expose error. We had a converted Mormon in the baptistry Sunday morning. He exposed error. Yep. Okay? But he bragged on Jesus. He talked about the God. Okay. Wherefore, if Demetrius and the craftsmen which are with him have a matter against any, the law is open. And there are deputies, let them implead uh, one another. But if ye inquire anything concerning other matters, it shall be determined in a lawful assembly. For we are in danger to be called in question for this day's uproar, where being no cause there, that whereby we have made an account of it, this concourse. Now, let me just say this about verse 40. Here's what we know about Ephesus. This great city, the Romans had left it up to the Ephesians to do their own jurisprudence. And what this 
town clerk is saying is that we want to keep it that way. If the Romans find out that we're having these kinds of uproars, they're going to send troops in here and our rights are going to be taken away. Knock it off. And by the way, they listen to him because they all know it's true. And when he had thus spoken, he dismissed the assembly and they all went home. Okay, so here's an aerial view. Can you see the little people at the bottom? Can you see the people on the street out front? Okay, that's a massive theater. And what, what we have around here, you can't see it because it's all been worn down by time, but imagine when all of the glory of Rome and Greece all this was still built up. Okay, this was backstage. This is this is the open theater out front. The splendor of that. But you can, you can climb all over that if you want to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the one the one that we saw in Caesarea by the sea is a fraction. This one, however, is about the same size as the one of Pergamus, only this one's in great condition. The one of Pergamus is, is not. It's still the side of a mountain. But this is so much better defined. Okay? So, imagine this is full of people, they're shouting for two hours, and then somebody steps up, quiets the crowd, and reasons with them, and they all decide to go home. By the way, part of that was just the Lord's protection, because that could have gone sideways real fast. Here's another picture of it, where you're, uh, you're uh, just a lot, lot closer. Um, and again, you do. but there's it's, it goes up up the side of the mountain here. But that that kind of gives you a feeling for it. Okay. That's covered up with those looks like black tarps and stuff. Are they working on that section, or is it part that they I, want you on? I don't know. I don't okay. remember that the last time any of that. The last time we were there was just open. <coughs> Do you think that that was constructed, or was it hewn out of the existing rock structure? Both. Yeah, both. Uh, they they brought in the stone. But they, they would prep the side of that mountain. They would, you know, carve all that out so that the... Um, now, there was, there, a lot of these places had the limestone, and it was easy to carve. So that's, that's a good question. I, I don't know that I can answer that. Okay. So let me just... I, I know I've got one minute, and I want to get you out on time. Okay. So the church at Ephesus... Now Jesus speaks. So this church had this great start. Paul spent years ministering in the city. Uh, Acts 20, he comes back through there on his trip to Jerusalem. You remember when he gets to Jerusalem, he'll get arrested and then start his journey to Rome. He's, he meets with the Ephesian elders, which means that this church was sizable, had multiple pastors at this point. 
okay? Um, again, one main pastor, and we come to learn later uh, that after Paul gets to Rome, this was a significant church, and John the Apostle goes to pastor it. In fact, he's pastoring in Ephesus when he gets arrested and sent to uh, Patmos. Okay, I'm sure the church was devastated, but we know that when he gets to Patmos, God's got work for him to do. He's got to write the last book of the Bible. He gets released from Patmos. He goes back to Ephesus. What we also know is, remember, John was given charge at the foot of the cross of taking care of Mary. Bible scholars believe that Mary was for a while a member of the church at Ephesus. So that that is significant. There's great zeal for the Lord. They look at how God used them uh, during this time. So I'm just going to touch on what the what uh, the Book of Revelation says. The Lord says, "I know your works. You can't bear them. That, again, false teaching. Those that say they're apostles." They knew their doctrine. They checked them out. They found those who were lying to be liars. Paul talks about their great patience. They just stayed at the work, continued to serve the Lord, and, and again, to give, give out the gospel. But in their midst, imagine coming to church and you're going to see the disciple who Jesus loved. He's up there preaching. And over the, oh, by the way, over there's Jesus' mother, Mary. Two people on earth that love Jesus the most. Okay. And so this, the church stood against evil, served patiently, Revelation 2, 2, and 3. And yet, with those individuals right there in the church, the Lord says, I have somewhat against you. You have left your first love. And the emphasis there is you're not serving me out of love. You're serving me. You're doing a lot of right things, but you're not doing it with the right motivation. We we serve the Lord. Character, we just we just keep you know, we're gonna serve God. Yeah, but but that needs to be done through love for Christ. So that's and and this hit, had to hit home to them because you've got Mary sitting over there and John's your pastor. Okay, they've probably been talking about loving the Lord and we've been too busy serving to be listening. Don't know. But here's the other thing, verse 5, what's the, what is the solution to getting back to your first love? Repent. Now the Lord will say that to the churches over and over. But here's the point. Do you know that if you and I are not loving the Lord like we should in serving Him out of love, do you know that that is grievous enough? It's a sin that needs to be repented of. It's not, okay, I'll love Jesus more. No, no, no. Get on your knees. Repent of the sin of not loving the Lord. Repent and then start loving Him and doing your service to Him out of love for Him. Any closing thoughts? Oh, I hope we can go to Ephesus. And and the amazing thing is this this city frustrated me a little bit 
because I could have spent three days there and they gave me an afternoon. So we'll take as much time there as we can, but it, it really is an amazing thing. All right, Father, thank you for our time tonight. Thank you for your amazing power. Lord, we're sincere when we say we look at these cities and these massive temples and the, the mighty structure of these, of these Roman and Greek works. Uh, and Lord, the great darkness. And yet, when the light of the gospel shined, everybody knew about the way. And thank you that you penetrated hearts and people discover that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, we look forward to meeting the church at Ephesus when we get to heaven. What, what a great time that will be. And Lord, they'll be able to tell us stories about these cities and what you did in that church. And Lord, help us to serve you out of love, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.